Hi there and welcome. Now it's time for America's favorite podcast. Leave your mark with your host, Vince Cortez. If it's fly, loose fit it. It's Cortez. If freeze and chubbies in it. It's Cortez. Leave your mark. It's about inspiring the world. One guess at a time. Pass the word from Brooklyn to Pittsburgh, from urban to suburb. It's Cortez, you heard? And here is our host, Vince Cortez. This is Leave Your Mark. I'm Vince Cortez, and today's guest is Javel Rome. He's known on TikTok as JR Saxophonic, keeping it smooth with riffs and things on Bowtie Friday. He has three brothers. He's one of four, Jimmy Jarvis and Jermaine. His parents are Jimmy Roan and Santiza Roan, or factory worker and a grade school teacher. He was raised in a musical home. It's his most influential feelings of his childhood. Javel, I'm very excited to have you as a guest on here today. Um, you have a very unique story. You have a wheel in motion life. And... We're going to have you share some of the more intimate details with us today. So thank you for being our guest. Thanks so much. I'm glad to be here today, man. I'm uh, excited to, to, to uh, be here. I'll leave, leave your mark with you, Vince. And uh, just excited, you know, just to have a good time, you know, and uh, share my story, you know. Well, the, I think the thing that was uh, was interesting to me, because when we find we're looking for people on the Internet that we want to bring on a show and um Yours is a story of which when you look at somebody like yourself, you don't think you have a lot of trouble or a lot of strife in your life. <laughs> and uh, your energy couldn't be further than the opposite of what's happened. But yeah. um, no, you, you're a motivator and you, you're doing a lot of good things with your talent and your music and how you, you're portraying what it is you're doing. Uh, you're motivating a lot of people. You're inspiring a lot of people. So we appreciate you doing that. So. Let's go in. You're one of four children. You had three brothers. What was going on in that house with those three brothers? I think the, I think the question is, what wasn't going on in that house with three <laughs> brothers, man? I mean, you know, there's always something going on, whether it's music, whether it was, you know, uh, running around, being rambunctious, you know. Just imagine a house with four boys, you know, all growing, all eating, all with their own separate identities and attitudes. Uh, so it was always a live event when we were around so <laughs> now on your bio you said that you started out playing the trumpet and they realized yeah. that you picked up on the instruments quickly so yeah. how did things progress so you started with the trumpet where'd you go after that yeah so i picked up the trumpet uh in sixth grade my uh, band director um she she thought i was like really advanced the way i picked up music um, cause I could play by ear, but I also could read music. I, I just instantly could kind of read notes and it just kind of made sense to me. And she said, if you want to move to, uh, she said, I'll move you to advanced band by the way you're playing. If you switch to the baritone, which is basically a larger, lower range trumpet, you know, three valve instruments. Oh, okay. so I, was like, I was like, I'll try it. So I did it. Uh, moved, got moved to advanced band, uh, in sixth grade, man. So halfway through the through the semester they changed my whole schedule and i was like the only sixth grader in advanced band so i had like a different schedule from everybody else um and i switched to the baritone and that's what introduced me to low brass and then from there uh i was recruited to epo Slagle high school uh where i played baritone and my band director was like you gotta play trombone you know and, and now, how to, are you progressing that uh, were you in middle school when that was happening afterwards it sounds like you were sort of discovered yeah, so so I was in middle school. My my high school band director actually came to uh, one of my middle school concerts, and he said, "You know, 
I'd love to have you at Echo Slago. I think you'd be a great fit, you know. And, uh, you know, he, he really became one of my mentors uh, in high school and really impacted my life musically, too, wow. as well as my dad. You know, my dad. Well, now that, that brings up what I wanted to ask you next. So growing up with your dad and your mom, what yeah. were some of the influences that, or what you remember about your dad? Oh, man, so many memories. Actually, this behind me is his guitar. Um, but I think I think the most impactful thing about my dad, my dad was an absolute hard worker. He's probably the hardest working person I've ever met in my life. He'd get up every morning at 4 a.m. in the morning and get off at 4 in the afternoon. And uh, I just remember, uh, you know, he was also a musical guy. So he played, he was a Southern style guitar player with, uh, and he would sing. And uh, it was just so much joy, you know, on the weekends. And even then the late night, uh, late night weekdays, he would go downstairs and play some like, you know, some kind of different riffs and things like that. So he was by ear also, you were picking that up from your dad. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think when you say you play by ear, that just sounds, for some people, that just sounds incomprehensible. No, man, I mean. It's all feel. Yeah, we were raised by that, man. Like we'd be down in the basement and my dad would be playing his guitar and singing, making up songs. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Javel, you know, and introducing <laughs> us. We'd be downstairs just dancing, having a ball. Oh, yeah. And uh and and I think that's kind of where where things, you know, where I really grew a love for music. You know, it was just ingrained in us as children. Yeah. You know, that was kind of our happy place. Al Green, no. you know, all those famous singers and things like that. Let me ask you about your mom. What What is something that you remembered about your mom? She was in the middle of all that. Yeah, so my mom, you know, my mom's five, you know, like five, three, raising these boys that are towering over her now. <laughs> um, but I think my mom, she was always, you know, kind of the support system. You know, she was always at our concerts, our games. My dad was also there, too. Um, but I think, you know, she taught the children's choir at our church, and she would, um, you know, taught us the, the singing side of things, you know, so... You know, my dad would teach us the musical side. She would teach us the singing side, you know, the discipline and, you know, how to really bring it together. She was also an educator. So a big part of her uh, her life was trying to make sure that we came out as good citizens. <laughs> but you, yeah, but you also got the structure. The school teacher is going to sure. help with that part of it. For sure. So now you're in, you're off into high school. You called yourself a band geek. And <laughs> so... I like the idea of seeing your videos on TikTok and on Instagram, yeah. the idea of that you were a drum major. Like this yeah. just seemed hand and glove for me. So kind of run me by a little bit of action you pulled when you was drum major. So as a drum major, man, I mean, we were dancing, you know, we would we were doing shimmying and, you know, rolling the shoulders back and, you know, we do the, the nifties and all that lifting the leg the and all that stuff, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, we grew up in a Southern style band, even though we were in the Midwest, but we would travel all over the U.S. and do competitions down South. Um, and so the drum major position was the coveted position. Everybody wanted to be drum major, the leader of the band. And we were a great band. We won first place in a lot of competitions. Um, so to be a drum major was a great honor. Um, and so I got to lead the band and, um, and march and, and also be a section leader at the time. So it was a, it was a great, a great opportunity, you know. Connect with us on LinkedIn. Be our friend on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You are listening to Vince Cortez. We just want you to leave your mark. So you come out of high school and you're off and you go to Florida A&M. Mm-hmm. And 
now did you pick up in your the sociology major there or um, when you you didn't get to tell you after you transferred over to kansas yeah State? so so i actually started out as a music major at florida annual and then when i got to kansas state university i transferred my freshman year to kansas state university so after my freshman year i transferred to kansas state university and it was the it was it was for multiple reasons uh primarily you know the cost of living uh being out of state and uh you know it was just a little bit easier on my my family as well as myself you know financially yeah that's definitely in those years it's like time goes by so quick and you're packing sure. so much in now you graduate college mm -hmm. and how soon after college did you meet your wife uh, you know, I actually met my wife during college, you know, uh, we, we were, you know, college sweethearts or something like that. Okay. Uh, so we, we met in college and uh, was she in the band too? She was not, she was nothing near a band. <laughs> uh, but you know, she, she definitely could sing, uh, but she, she was just not, she was just kind of, uh, interestingly enough, my wife is a teacher. Um, and, uh, she was kind of, you know, Fairly quiet, fairly reserved, you know, and uh, but always just great conversation, great to be around, you know, really a nurturer. He was watching you like this man sliding off the edge. <laughs> yeah, you were entertaining for her, I'm sure. She had to, you know, and you know, <laughs> the funny thing is, she doesn't even get too thrilled about all the entertainment stuff. She's just, she just likes being around, you know, just just chilling around the house and hanging out and things like that. So it's smooth, and that's nice. Now you got. Um, of your own, you got four kids and you got Ooh, that's right. Layla, who we're going to talk mm -hmm. about a little bit later, Jaylen, yep. Victoria, mm -hmm. and oldest, then the yep. youngest, little Logan. Child. Yep, little Logan. Little okay, Rain. so you got one boy. He's the baby. That's good. It hooked up dad at the end. Oh, yeah. He's probably getting worried. It, it was going to be. <laughs> yes. Got to shake you up a little bit. So yeah, the, the, sure. the thing falls in your favor. So how you enjoy being a father? Okay, I gotta say, I absolutely love being a father. I think the number one reason why I love being a father is because I had a fantastic father too. So, you wow. know, he really he really showed me what it what it means to be active and how important it is to be active as a father. Um, having him let me see the importance of fatherhood, um, the affirmations, the the daily being there, you know, being present, just being available, getting to know your children, you know, listening to them and. And now apparently I have a little wisdom, you know, but I felt like my father had so much wisdom, you know, to offer me. Um, and so I think, uh, you know, I think that's the greatest part about being a father is being as someone that, that, that people, your children can look up to. Um, but oftentimes, you know, it's, it's interesting how we as parents can also learn from our children. Oh, sweet. So four, four kids later, I'm guessing you're getting pretty wise yourself these days. You know, I'm trying to, man. You can learn a lot from a five-year-old. They all different, man. Jeez. Oh, my. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, <laughs> definitely learned a lot, for sure. Now, you were saying you mentioned that um, you homeschooled the kids. And so that kind of ties us into our story where we're going to shift gears here. Okay, Javel, we're, we're joined by your wife, Tia and we want to ask you guys now what's happened here is you're homeschooling your children and your your girl Layla is having a rough time this time when you notice something's wrong with her so run me through what happens yeah so normally uh you know my wife uh, was off to work and then I would wake the children up uh and they were doing remote learning since COVID had just kind of started in 2020 
And, uh, you know, all the girls would come down to eat breakfast and to get ready for class. And I noticed that at breakfast, Layla wasn't there. And I said, where's Layla? And my middle daughter said, she's still upstairs. So I went upstairs, check on Layla. And she was just kind of laying there and her face was kind of, you know, uh, a little flush as far as red. And uh, I said, what's, I said, what's going on, Layla? And she said that her hip hurt. And she said, my, my hip hurts, dad. And I was like, your hip? And uh, I was like, well, okay. I was like, did you go to the restroom? She was like, yeah. And then like, uh, she went downstairs and she still just laid on the couch and you really get up. And I noticed she was warm, almost like she had a fever. <clears throat> well, she did have a fever. And then she, I gave her some Tylenol, you know, told her, you know, she'd be fine. She just lay down. And uh, I said, go to the restroom. And she just said it hurt to just stand up. And she just kind of was hunched over. And I was like, what is going on? <clears throat> so later that day, my wife came home. And then uh, she, she said, you know, babe, you know, let's let's go get her checked out. And I was like, I think you're right. We should take her to the doctor. So, if you are listening from Australia, Florida, or just from around the corner, East Coast or West Coast outlets, if you're not to the dirty South, straight make a left body body. Contact us. Leave your mark with your host Vince Cortez. All right. So now you take her to the doctor and. Tandra, run me through what you're thinking when you're taking her there, because the pain and, and it's sort of different. And a mother's perspective is always a little different than the father. So what were you thinking? Um, I think I was probably thinking something more of like maybe her appendix or something like that, you know, something that's like a, a quick kind of if it is the problem, something that could be resolved rather like quickly, you know, then then a recovery. Um, so I took her to the, the emergency room and they did scans um, and then the doctor comes in and um, she kind of sits there and she sits down and she says, well, it looks like there's a mass um, on her right side, left side. And, um, and it, it looks like there's possible internal bleeding. And when oh she my. said internal bleeding, I just like, wait, what? Internal bleed, like. So she's got a tumor that's internally bleeding is their diagnosis. Right. That's just, that's just over the top. The doctor says it's possible, you know, looks like there's bleeding and there's definitely a mass and we're going to transfer her to Children's Mercy in Kansas City. I'm just like, this just went from a little pain to now it's like, wait, is she like going to be like, is okay. this like a life or death kind of like life changing? She's not coming home. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm and, thinking, like, and not, she's not staying there. She's going to get to a different hospital after what they saw. Right. Oh, my goodness. So you, your world is completely rocked here. Right. So, Javel, what are you thinking at this point? Well, I'm, I'm actually at home with the with the other siblings, you know, uh, trying to, you know, keep the keep the peace in the house. And then my wife says we have to drive to Kansas City because they need to rush Layla to uh, Kansas Children's Mercy Hospital because she's bleeding internally. And I'm thinking to myself, what and how did this even happen? Like how and why is this happening? You know, um, OK, so let's um, she, now they're they're taking her to the hospital. 
and you guys are heading over to Kansas City. So you're getting ready to stay over a night or two until she's situated. Now, um, what happened when you guys got there and they started caring for her? Well, it was probably what? Well, we didn't get there to maybe one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So then I don't think the ambulance made it to Manhattan until around 11. So it was around one in the morning. We had to drop off our other kiddos to my mother-in-law, his mom. In the middle of the night, they're like completely confused and don't know what's going on. Everything's just kind of shifted and changed. Wow. Went to the hospital with COVID restrictions. So like that got even crazier. Yeah. No, <laughs> so they the they checking her for COVID and things like this besides knowing she's got this tumor. Right. Yeah. And now that's like when the whole thing sort of gets impersonal. Like she gets treated like, you know in, a, in a, a POW camp type of approach is they you know, they're, they shift them off to the cooler. They just get different treatment. It's not right. But so how long is she there before um, treatments and so forth start or, or end at that point where she can come home? Well, she was in the hospital for about a week and a half um, with scans. I think before she left, she had had one procedure before yeah, we left, they just did a one, the biopsy. Yeah. Um, you were saying after this, so they scanned the internal bleeding. So they found the cancer. She's diagnosed that she, she went through 25 rounds of chemotherapy in seven and a half months. Is that accurate? Well, the thing is, when they did the first biopsy, they were just saying, you know, it's a mass, but we think, you know, it, it, what really is the issue is the inflammation, right? Like, okay, so they're not saying that it's cancer at that point. They're just saying she's got some sort of a tumor. Right. So then when did they find out that it is cancer? It was January of 21. So it was actually inauguration day. It was during the inauguration where we found oh out she had cancer. They did the surgery the uh, fifteenth of fifteenth of January, and then they called us inauguration day and told us. Wow. Um, a bit, so. All right. So now she's gone through these treatments, and they removed the tumor. Now is the the treatments are the twenty five after the tumor was removed. After the tumor right. was removed. Okay, so now she's, uh, in, I'm saying in remission at this point, where she, the the tr the scan is once a year at this point? She has scans every three months. Three months. Yeah. Now, is that is that still with the COVID regulations and so forth, they're still in those hospitals? How difficult is that going in and out and just getting a scan and, and a doctor's appointment? Yeah, it's she doesn't like COVID. Um, she has to do COVID tests. She, well, she had to do them often. And she oh, wow. Completely terrified. So she got, does traumatized. she have to do that every scan, every three months? She got to do a no COVID? <laughs> She's probably liking that the least. After yeah. you're used to a scan, they're not invasive anymore. Right. But this is tremendous. So now she's back and she's doing well here and <laughs> things are coming to normal. So how's the family made the adjustment with what's happened to her and you got her back? Wow, that's a good question. You had a lot happen. Yeah, you had a lot happen in a small time. Yeah, you know, I think I think we got used to 
you know, driving to Kansas City every other week for, for treatment as a family. So we, we've grown closer together through that time of chemotherapy because uh, we travel we travel to Kansas City every Thursday and spend the night on Fridays. Um, I think now we're just kind of like able to breathe, you know, yeah. I don't even know how to really, uh, you know, describe it, you know, what would you say? As far as uh, how's the, to normal. Is there is there a normal? <laughs> We're just trying to figure it out. <laughs> We're trying, trying to figure it out. It's yeah. been ever since COVID. Things have just been kind of crazy. Yeah, so. I think you you also asked what is normal, you know, uh -huh. uh, and 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 I I'll just say I have such a sense of gratitude, um, just for every single day. Yeah. Uh, it does. It brings out the level of appreciation in all of us. So what I want to do is I want to thank you for coming on short notice, mom. Oh, you're fine. Thank Logan, you. thank you too. You were well behaved, young man. Yeah. So um, what I ask all my guests is how would you like to leave your mark, Javel? So how would you like to be remembered? Um, I think I want to be remembered as someone who um, you know, really gave life their absolute best. Uh, and that when I leave here, I won't leave here full of, you know, regret. I won't leave here full of gifts. I won't leave here full of potential, but I will leave empty uh, because I've given everything, you know, that I could possibly give to this world. And you know, whether that's legacy, whether it's music, whether it's uh, time, whether it's uh, you know quality of life, uh, my goal is to really, really um, live a life poured out or full, um, so that when I leave here, I'm completely empty and have made a significant impact and created a lasting legacy. I, I believe you are well on your way, Jr. Saxophonic, keeping it smooth. Thank you, you know, for your Vince. time, young man. Keep the ball rolling. Thanks so much, Vince. And, I appreciate uh, it. We need some of your music. We're going to put your riffs on here, man. We got to get it going on. Absolutely. You got it. All right. And, uh, you take care and stay warm in Kansas City. Thank you so much. Thanks for All right. Us. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to Leave Your Mark today. Tune into our next episode of Leave Your Mark with Vince Cortez. Be blessed. You just left your mark. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Listen to more episodes on demand. Just click leave your mark with Vince Cortez. <laughs>